Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. So are you guys as excited as I am about what happened last Sunday? You're like, what happened last Sunday? So as soon as I got home from church last Sunday, this is absolutely not in my notes. I didn't even have this as anything, but, but some of you expect me to say this. So I'm going to say this. Uh, so last Sunday I got home and I took my nap, you know, laid down, took my nap and I woke up. My phone is right next to my, my bed. And so I grabbed my phone and I opened it up and I believe I heard angels singing because Tom Brady unretired from... And if you, if you don't know me, I'm a huge Buccaneer fan. That's where I grew up. And so uh, we celebrated that night. We went and got some ice cream. We, we had some celebration time as a family. And so, man, one more year of good football for the Buccaneers. And so I, I hope that uh, you, you had as good of a Sunday as I did last week. I hope you've had a really good week. Uh, we've got some exciting things coming up. In fact, tonight... If you are a bridge builder, and what a bridge builder is, is anybody that serves in any capacity here. Uh, tonight we have a bridge builder appreciation event at Steelhouse Coffee. And so you can come. We're going to buy your drink. We've got some giveaways. It's going to be a good time, six to seven. And so just come, bring your family. We'll have fun. And then also, if you have maybe looked at the worship team or you see some people like moving up in the and you think, man, what are those people doing? Or man, what's it like to be up here? And you would be interested in maybe helping in production or also in worship. Next Sunday, right after church, we're going to have a worship kind of production interest meeting. And if you go to it, you're not signing on the dotted line. You're just coming and saying, hey, man, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about it, maybe get involved. And so that's next week. And that's an opportunity for you. And Luke is really excited about that. And so don't make him eat alone next, next Sunday and, and come in and hang out with him. Uh, and so that'll be a good time. This past week, uh, my, my daughter and I, Julia, uh, last Monday we traveled to Southern California for uh, just a day and we did a college visit. And so she's a junior, so we're just kind of starting to get into that a little bit. And while I was there, have you ever experienced something? Some of you wouldn't and you won't for a few years, but... But I uh, experienced what it was like to start feeling old. And I experienced that often at different times. But, but I, I experienced that a little bit. And I, I found myself saying things that would fit in really well with the, the progressive commercials, the not becoming my parents commercials. I, I found myself being like that. And if you don't know what those are, Google them and you'll have a good laugh. But, but I found myself, Julie and I, we were out in Riverside and we were eating uh, last Monday night. And uh, after we got done eating, I'm kind of, we're walking, kind of looking at the shops. And I heard some like eight kids, they were kids to me, they're probably in their 20s. 
sitting down and they were talking about Jesus and something. And I just awkwardly stopped them. Just awkwardly stopped them. Hey guys, oh, I'm so thankful for what you're talking about. Keep it up. And then I walked away like, yes, you just, you would have made the commercial right there, dude. That's what a dad does. My daughter's like, oh, this is not my dad. I think he's a homeless guy, just kind of picked up. But, but I found myself, you know, saying things that would fit really well. Maybe you, you uh, have watched those commercials. And if you haven't, Google progressive commercials, not in church, and watch a few of them. And you will laugh. And if you're a dad or mom, they will actually hit pretty close to home. And you'll laugh, but you'll kind of be like, that's probably, I've done that three times this week. I, I love those commercials. Another commercial that I love, and, and maybe you've seen these, is the Holiday Inn Express commercials. And so the most recent one, again, if you haven't watched it, Google them and you can watch it. The most recent one that I watched was, it's this room where a surgery's taking place, kind of a serious room. You got nurses, got doctors, they're doing their thing. And, and the doctor that seems to be in charge of the surgery, he, he's like, all right, close them up, we're done. And he pulls his mask down. And one of the nurses says, you're, you're not Dr. Stewart. And he's like, no, I'm, I, I'm not Dr. Stewart, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. And, and then this, this tagline that's kind of the tagline for these commercials came up and it said, it won't make you smarter, but it will make you feel smarter. And, and, and this doctor, he's, he's not a doctor, but man, he stayed at a Holiday Inn, so that must, like, hey, that's as good as a medical degree, right? And so, and they're, they're funny, so, so Google them. But, but those commercials, as, as comical as they are, specifically those Holiday Inn commercials, they, they're, they're funny to watch. But sometimes in the church world, what I've found is we say some things that are pretty comical, and that would fit in pretty well there. For instance, we, we say things, and maybe we don't say it, but we feel it. You know what? I, I, I know I'm a jerk to the people at my work, but don't worry, because I know all the books of the Bible, and I've went to Sunday school quite a bit when I was a kid. So, so don't pay attention to how much of a jerk I am to you at work, because you know what? I went to Sunday school when I was a kid. It's like, oh, okay, you're good then, man. Or, or hey, hey, don't mind my greed and my selfishness. I rarely miss my devotions. I mean, I read my Bible every day, even though I'm really selfish and greedy. Or, or it may come across like this. Hey, hey, I, I know I treat certain races and groups of people disrespectfully, but hey, don't sweat it because, man, I know more theology than most people. And, and in some way, some kind of somewhere along the way, specifically in the church world, we have begun to equate a growing faith with a certain amount of information. And here's what I mean. For some of you, you grew up in a, in a, in a world and kind of in a system where knowledge equaled spirituality. So the people that knew the most about the Bible in the room... They were the, at least supposed to be the most spiritual. Like if you knew more theology than this guy, you obviously were more spiritual. If you took more Bible studies and you were in more Bible studies than this person, then, then you obviously are, are more spiritual. And so we, we began to equate kind of the person that knew the most with spirituality. And for some of you, this might be why you walked away from the church for a season. You might have walked away because you saw a lot of people that knew a lot about the Bible. 
They could answer every question. They knew all the books of the Bible. They had sat in all the Bible studies and they knew it with their mind, but yet they were terrible people. They, they were jerks. They were terrible. They treated people bad. And so for you, you began to say, man, I see these people that they, they know so much about the Bible, but yet they treat people so bad. And so for you, you, you didn't want any part of it. And maybe for you, as you began to grapple with your faith, you found yourself not even sure that you wanted to move into faith and, and what, because of what you saw in other people. You saw these people that seemed to know a lot about the Bible, but yet they were just mean people. And so you're like, I, I don't even know if I want to be a part of that. I'm not even sure where faith should be in my life because I, I don't want to be like that person. And so maybe for you, you just kind of walked away from it all for a, for a season. See, last week, we, we began a conversation about this. We, we began a conversation that would, whether you're somebody that's a follower of Jesus, whether you're somebody that has walked away from the church for a season, maybe you're just investigating faith. We started a conversation to, to just maybe ask ourselves what it's like to have a growing faith. And in its most simplest form, when we talk about faith, basically here's what we're saying. Faith is confidence in someone or something. So in its most simplest form, you can take all the religion and Bible out of the definition in its most simple form. Faith is simply confidence in someone or something. And you and I, we said this last week, you and I have we act on faith all the time. You've, you and I have acted on faith several times this morning. When you got in your car to come to church this morning, I promise you, you never thought this. You know what? I wonder if the building's still going to be there. Ah, man, I hope they didn't move the building. No, no, you got in your car and, and you just had confidence that you were going to drive to 1460 Richland Road and you were going to see church. We, we act on faith all the time. We act on confidence all the time. You, you, you did that when you ate breakfast this morning. You, you, we do this all the time. And so if faith is simply confidence in someone or something, the, the questions we asked this past week is simply this. So do you have faith in God? And you're like, well, you're a pastor. Of course you're going to ask that question. That's, that's kind of what you do. But, but do you, would you say that you have a growing confidence in God? And when we talk about, about faith, here's what we're talking. When we're talking about faith in God, we're talking about this. Hey, do you believe God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he'll do? Like, do you have confidence in that? And then, then the, kind of the second question is, man, is my faith growing? Like today, do I have more confidence in God than I did last year? Do I have less confidence in God? Is my faith growing? And maybe for you, you say, is it even possible to have my faith grow? And if it is possible, do I even want it? Like, do I really want to have a growing faith? Because in your mind, you, you kind of equate a growing faith with this exhausting pursuit of knowledge and a really boring life. 
And so you say, you know what, I don't, I don't know if I have confidence in God, or maybe I do, or I don't know if it's growing. I don't even know if I want it to grow. Because what maybe you've seen in somebody that's faith is growing is this person that might know all the answers, but they're a jerk. That they might have all the, the Bible knowledge, but they, they treat different races terribly. And so for you, it's like, I don't know if I want this faith. I don't know if I want to put time into growing faith if it's all it's going to be is filling my mind with more information that makes a little difference in my life. Why would I want that? But, but let me ask you this. What if, what if that's not the way it was? What if I told you that the best God has for you is on the other side of growing faith in him? What, what if growing faith wasn't just filling your head with more knowledge that makes a little no difference in your life. But what if growing confidence in God, what if on the other side of that is actually God's best for you? What if, it, what if that was true? Maybe, maybe the next obvious question was, okay, I, I'm not sure, Chris, that I even buy into that totally yet, but, but if I bought into the fact that God's best for me was on the other side of me growing in my faith, if I really bought into that, then the obvious question Okay, how do I grow my faith? How do I develop a growing faith? Sometimes, and guys like me are terrible at this. Like guys that do what I do, man, sometimes we make it so complicated. Like what a growing faith. It's like, what does that mean? What if there were some elements that you could put into your life or elements that, that we could point to that, that we say, hey, if, if we're going to have our faith grow, then here's some specific elements that God seems to use to do that. And, and, and none of them are, hey, you have to be a theologian. Or you have to, whatever, whatever you think that is. Last week, we, we said this, that one of the elements that God uses to grow our faith is providential relationships. So every person here, if you, if you have a growing faith or if you've ever had a growing faith, I promise that there's, there's a time where you could point to, hey, God put this person in my life and, and because he put this person in my life, my faith grew. Providential relationships. But, but another thing that, that helps us grow our faith, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is another element that if you were to look at someone whose faith is growing, you would see providential relationships, relationships that God has used to grow faith, but you would also see this, you would see practical teaching in every story. I promise, if, if you have a time in your life where you're like, hey, I've, I've seen my faith grow. Here's what your story is. Hey, I, I started to go to this small group and there was this Bible study, or I went to this campus ministry at my college, or somebody invited me to church and I started going to church, or I started to kind of get into God's word and, and listen to the scriptures. I, and, and there's an element of teaching where God has used the teaching of his word to grow our faith. If your faith has grown, you would be able to point to, hey, yeah, I, I, God, God's used practical teaching. And, and here's what I don't mean. I don't mean information transfer. I mean practical teaching that transforms our faith. Because here's what the church is really good at. 
We're, we're really good at this. We're, we're good at, hey, we got a class for that. Hey, go, go listen to some talking head for 45 minutes and, and they're going to take a lot of information and they're going to dump it over to you. And I'm not against, obviously, what I do. I do some of that. But, but th- that's what the church is good. Man, well, oh yeah, you need to read this book or you need to do this. And sometimes we're so focused on information transfer instead of, hey, what am I supposed to do with that information? Like, like what would it look like to actually apply this information in my real life? If you were to look at Jesus and Paul and Jesus' brother James, you would see that when they taught, when they wrote, it wasn't about, hey, let me fill your mind with more information. No, it was transformation. It was, here's what God says. Here's what God wants. Here's how it applies to your life. This is how it leads you to God's best. It was transformational. And and see, and, and you you know this, even maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus or not, you probably would say, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Growing faith, here's a statement, growing faith is demonstrated by what we do, not what we know. Let me say that again. Growing faith is demonstrated by what we do, not what we know. There's a lot of people that know a lot about the scriptures that are not growing in the faith. There's a lot of people that maybe even teach the scriptures. They know so much about it that they can actually teach it to other people. But it's become like a textbook to them. It's not something that transforms real life. And a growing faith, it's demonstrated by what we do, by how it affects our life, not by how much we know about it. And James, who was Jesus's brother, who who on the front end, James was like super skeptical about the whole my brother is God thing, which you could get it. Like James, think about being Jesus's brother. And on the front end of this whole story, James was like, I am not buying into the whole my brother's God thing. And and he kind of thought it was hogwash for a while. Until he actually saw his brother die, and then he saw him alive again. That changed it for James. And so James, he, he became an important kind of person in the early church. And he actually wrote a letter that is a, a letter that, that helps us really understand, hey, what do we do with truth? So hearing truth and information, it's so important, but, but it's, it's more than just hearing and filling our mind. We have to do something. And James writes about that in his letter. And so in James chapter One, he says this in verse 19, and this will be up on the screen or you can look in the app. He says this, he says, my my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. Like, okay, I agree with that. Basically, James is like, hey, lack of listening combined with lack of restraint doesn't lead to good things. So you, you need to be slow to anger. You need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Then he says this, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. You're like, okay, I get you, James. And then he says this, he says, therefore, ridding yourselves. 
So this idea of ridding yourselves is like, hey, if I was out in my yard, and I was a little bit this past week, if I was out in my yard and I was working all day in my yard, and, and let's pretend we're in Florida instead of really nice weather in Northern California. If you're in Florida, you're working in your yard, like after a few hours, your family doesn't want you near them because you reek. It's, you're nasty, you're sweaty, you're dirty. And so, man, it's, when, when you come in after you worked in the yard or, or had a long day, what you do is you, hey, I'm going to take that dirty shirt off and I'm going to get cleaned up and I'm going to put something clean on. Well, this is the idea that James is about to give us. He says, I want you to rid yourselves of some things. And he's saying, it's just basically like, hey, when, when you got a dirty shirt on and you really smell, you, you take that off and you put something else on. And, and so he's, he tells us, he says, I want you to rid yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. So, so take that stuff off. And then he says this, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So, so I want you to take off the moral filth. I want you to take off the stuff that's not God's best for you. Take that stuff off. And when you take that stuff off, what you're doing is you're, you're kind of setting up your heart to receive what you need, and it's God's Word. And when you receive God's Word, here's what he says, it literally saves your life, physically, and we know this, like, if you follow God's Word, it actually helps you in your life. Like, if you don't follow God's Word, you can get yourself into some dangerous situations. I mean, there's, there's some practical things that if you will follow God's Word, there's some practical things that will help you. But then he also talks about how it, it doesn't only help you with your physical life, but it helps you spiritually. It helps you not be bound by sin. It helps you know where you're going to spend eternity. So when you allow God's word into your life, it, it not only helps you in this life make better decisions, but it also helps you like spiritually not be captive by sin and it helps you have a place to go that you want to go to when this whole thing's over it helps you physically and spiritually it's like a lot of you are just like me about this time of year you're you know you're starting to look at your yard it's like okay time to plant some new flowers time to kind of get the weed and feed out on the grass it's time to kind of clean up the yard after kind of it being cold and so when, when you go to plant something, and, and, and you know this, like when you, you're about to plant a tree or you're about to plant new flowers, you, you kind of prepare the soil. And so if there's rocks or weeds or insects, it's like, hey, I'm going to clear that stuff out because I want to give this plant the best chance to flourish. I mean, could you plant a tree or a flower in a, in a hole where there's some rocks and bugs and weeds? You could. And would it grow a little bit? It probably would grow a little, but if you really want it to flourish, you're getting that stuff out of the way before you plant that plant. And here, that's what James is saying. He's saying, hey, if you if you'll get some, kind of get rid of some stuff and kind of let's get some stuff out of your life, basically what you're doing is you're giving your heart a place to really take in God's word and then flourish. And when you, you take in God's word and you, it, your heart's full of rocks and weeds and insects and kind of all that stuff, it doesn't do as well. It doesn't flourish. 
And, and so maybe you push back a little bit and you say, oh, so Chris, are you, are you telling me that I got to clean my whole self up before I kind of start to take God's word seriously? The answer is absolutely not. In fact, I would say this, you can't clean yourself up. You don't even, you and I don't even have the power to clean ourselves up. That's, we, we need God to even do that. But, but what we can do is we can agree with God about the, the things in our life that are against him and say, hey, God, I admit that those things aren't right and I'm going to turn from them. And then God gives us the power to walk. And then when his word comes into our life, it's transformational. And that's what James is saying. And then he says this in verse 22. He says, be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves it's, it's, it's important that we listen when we listen to God's word it initiates faith but if all we do is listen if all we do is fill our mind with information it's not enough yes listening is important in fact Romans ten seventeen says it this way so faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes from or through the message about Christ. So listening and taking in God's word, it's important and, and, and listening well. But just listening to fill your minds is it's just that's not enough. In fact, James says if you just do that, you're deceiving yourselves. Later on in, in, in James' letter, he says, even the demons know that stuff. Even the demons have their heads full of, of, of God's word. Even the demons believe this stuff intellectually. So man, if you're somebody that say, hey, I, I took a Bible study or I do my devotions every day, but it never does anything to your life. James is basically saying, hey, you and the demons are basically in the same club. Yeah, they, they know a ton about the scripture. They, they've heard it all, but it doesn't affect their life, obviously. And so James says, hey, this idea of being a hearer only and not a doer, you're just deceiving yourselves. And then he goes on in verse 23 and he says it this way. He says, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. I mean, mirrors have been around for a long time. And, and basically, James is he's comparing looking into God's word as looking at a mirror. I mean, think about it. In our society, we go to crazy lengths to change things that we see in the mirror. I mean, just, just think about it. We, we literally spend billions of dollars just on plastic surgery. In our country, just every year we're spending billions and billions of dollars that not even counting like how much we spend on our hair and our teeth and our fake tan and all the stuff we do to like when we look in the mirror, we, we want to see some changes. And so, man, we put some money into making those changes. We, we put some effort into making those changes. We, we don't look in the mirror just to fill our minds with what we see. Like, did you have to look in the mirror this morning to know what color hair you have? No. Like, you, you looked in the mirror and you, you already knew what you, I know what my color hair, like, 
You, you didn't look in the mirror to see, I just wanted to get some information and kind of see, I, don't, I forget what I look like. No, you, you know what you look like, just like I know what I look like. We didn't look in the mirror this morning to just fill our minds with, hey, oh, okay, now I know what color hair I have. No, we looked in the mirror this morning with the idea that, hey, I'm looking in the mirror. I already know what I look like. I just need to see if there's anything I need to change. You looked in the mirror this morning and you thought, man, I, I did not realize I had half a dinner still on my face. I, my, the, what, I don't know what's going on with my hair. Like, oh, is it, what is that hanging from my tooth? Like, I probably should take care of that so I don't gross people out of church. Like we looked in the mirror this morning with the idea that, man, we're, we're, we're looking with a willingness to change and make things better. And in the same way, James compares the word of God to a mirror. God's word and, and teaching from it, it should be transformational, not just more information. And James, he goes on and he says this. He says, But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. I mean, James literally says, he says, blessing is on the other side of acting on God's word, not just knowing it. He says, if somebody will look at this mirror and they will take it seriously, and they will act on it. Blessing comes. And then he goes and he kind of finishes it off by giving us some just really practical examples of what it looks like to to really do and apply what we know. He says this, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. So, man, if you got your head full of Bible, but you can't be nice to people with your mouth, your religion, whatever you think that is, James says it's useless. Might as well not even do it. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Bottom line, James is saying, God is not impressed by how much you know. He's not impressed by how many Bible studies you've completed. He's not impressed that you know all the definitions to the big theological terms. Here's what, here's what pleases God. When you listen to His Word... And it leads you to be more like his son, Jesus. You, that, that's what pleases God. When, when you take in God's word and, and it leads you not just to fill your mind, but to actually look more like Jesus. And, and what did Jesus look like? He loved people nobody else would love. He made time for people nobody else would make time for. He sacrificed himself for, for people that hated him. Jesus was unselfish. He was holy. He was loving. And when we hear God's word, what pleases God is when we take it in with the mindset that I want to know how to better look like Jesus, not just 
no more than the guy next to me. And so as you think about your own life, no matter where you are, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're listening to this on a podcast. No matter where you find yourself kind of on the journey, and we have people here that have been following Jesus for some of you maybe longer than I've been alive. And some of you, you've been following Jesus for a few weeks. For, for some of you, you're still investigating faith. For some of you, you're, you're kind of on this, you're in this place in your life where you're kind of trying to play both sides of the fence and you're, you're just, you haven't quite went all in. So wherever you are, wherever you are, I can tell you confidently that no matter where you find yourself as it relates to faith, that God wants your confidence in him to grow. If you don't have a relationship with God, I'm telling you, God wants your confidence in him to grow. If you've been following Jesus for 50 years, God wants your confidence in him to grow. And one of the elements that God uses to grow our faith and grow our confidence in him is practical teaching. And when I say practical teaching, what I mean, it's teaching that is true, that is clear, and that is helpful. Practical teaching. Because sometimes we, we hear teaching that is true, and man, you, you're like, man, every single word of that was, was true, and it was biblical, but I have no clue what to do with it. Man, it, it was great, and I heard it all, but man, I don't know what to do with it. Or or man, it, man, it, maybe it was true and it was seemed to give us some insight, but I don't know how it really helps me in my real life. And so when we talk about practical teaching, we're talking about teaching that is true, that is clear, and that is helpful. And, and if God uses practical teaching to grow our faith, it's important that we avail ourselves to practical teaching. And we do that in two ways. Let me give you two words. The first word is position. If God truly uses practical teaching to grow our faith, then it's important that we position ourselves and, our, and help our families position themselves to hear practical teaching. I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that my mom and dad, they just made it a priority for us. That we were going to be in youth group, we were going to be involved in, in the children's stuff when we were little kids, that we were going to be at church whether we wanted to be there or not. That God, he, My parents just kind of made it. It was just what it was. And I'm so thankful because as I think back at the foundation of my faith, a lot of the foundation of my faith was, was some children's workers and some youth workers that in an age-appropriate way just taught me the scriptures and helped me apply it. Even when I wasn't even sure if I wanted to do it, they, they faithfully taught me. And I'm so thankful that my parents put me in a position to grow my faith by putting me under practical teaching. I mean, God wants, and you know this, God wants to grow our family's faith. And, and one of the elements he uses is practical teaching. And so it's important that we position ourselves in a place where practical teaching is taking place. This morning, one of the things I, I do, I, I shared it with some of our team. One of the things I do with, for my devotions is I read the verse of the day on version every single day. 
And this morning, the the verse of the day was in Isaiah chapter 55. And Isaiah chapter 55 is a great chapter for a lot of reasons. But there's a verse, I think it's verse 11 in Isaiah chapter 55. And it literally says this. It says, when God's word goes out, it always accomplishes what he wants it to. It always does. And so I'm just naive enough to think that, you know what? If I can get my family under the teaching of God's word, that God's going to use it to do what he wants to do in their life. So I'm going to dog my kids to get them to church. I'm going I'm to be that grandparent one day that's, that's poking at my kids and my grandkids to try to get them to church because I'm just naive enough to think that God might be able to use his word to transform When God's word goes out, it always accomplishes what God intends it to accomplish. And so it's important that that we, and man, if you're a teenager, you need to position yourself to hear God's word practically taught. If you're a grandparent, if you're an adult, it's important that we position ourselves. But here's the second word that I think is real important. And it's it's not just the word position, but posture. And here's, here's what I mean. Sometimes we come to church... We go to youth group, and, we're, and here's what we think. Man, I am so glad that he's here. He really needs to hear this tonight. And you know, like some of you, you're, you're sitting by somebody, you're like, man, it is good they're in church, because I know what they did last night. They need to be here today. They need to get a word. And, and you know what? I, I hope they do get a word. I hope God works in their life. But you know what the posture I'm talking about? Like every time we come to God's word, every time it's going to be taught, I don't need to come into church and say, man, I hope my kids get something out of this. Man, I, man, I hope my wife gets something out of this. I need to come in and say, God, I need you to say something to me today. I, I need to come under God's word humbly, knowing he loves me on my best day and on my worst day, and that he has something he wants to say to me. And he wants to say it because he knows what is best for me, and he wants me to come with the posture of humility, with a willingness to obey him. Now, I don't obey him so he loves me more. I obey him because he loves me. Not for his love, but from his love. And it's that posture. And, and, and think about it. Probably, you, you probably struggle with this just like I do. I, you, you come into church, I'm glad I got my kids here. They need to hear from, you know, God. Well, I need to hear from God today. God needs to work in my life. I need to come to, to practical teaching humbly with a willingness to listen and obey because God loves me. And he knows best. As you think about your life, and as we kind of close up today, as you think about your life, I mean, what, what would change in your life if you had a growing faith? If you walked through life and you had this deep confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he'll do. God wants that. He, he wants that for you. He wants that for your family. And he has provided elements to help us grow in our faith. 
What would it look like if if you and I positioned ourselves for God to use practical teaching to grow our faith? Think about it. What, what would it, does God want your faith to grow? Yes. Does he want mine to grow? Yes. Does he want us to be more confident in him than we used to be? Yes. Does he want that for our family? Yes. He uses practical teaching. So what would it look like if we were to position ourselves and our families better for practical teaching? Maybe for you, it's, man, to get better connected at church. Maybe for you, it's, hey, you're a teenager and you're like, man, I've been kind of eh, in and out of youth group. Now I need to start going to youth group. Maybe for you, you're a grandparent. You've got some grandkids and you're like, you know what? They need to be in the kids ministry. They need to hear from God. God could use the kids ministry. So I'm going to make it a priority to get my grandkids to church. Maybe for you, it's go to another church. You're like, man, I kind of make it to this church about once every quarter Man, maybe find a church that you can go to every week that you really buy into what they're doing and where you say, man, my family is going to be at church because I believe practical teaching will change them. And so, man, find a church where you can go all in. I hope it's here, but if it's not, man, I got some good friends in this city that are pastors. Man, find a church that you can go all in with because God uses the teaching of his word. It, it, it might be, maybe it's not position, maybe it's just posture. Maybe it's just, hey, I've, I have been coming to teaching and I, I really haven't been coming with humility. I haven't really been coming with this idea that God might want to say something to me. And so maybe for you, if you're watching online, that's what it is. It's just, man, I'm going to change my posture. What, whatever God's saying, I would encourage you to lean in and obey because it's best. It's God's best. And on the other side of your growing faith, God's best and his blessing is waiting. Doesn't mean your life will always go perfect, but God has best for you. And if your faith isn't growing, if your confidence in him isn't growing, you're missing it. And practical teaching is one of the things he uses to grow our faith. So let's avail ourselves to it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for James. And I thank you for how James is just such a straightforward writer. And he kind of just tells it like it is. And God, we live in a society that, that sometimes equates a lot of knowledge about the Bible with spirituality. And Lord, we we know that that's really honestly a lie of the devil. The devil would love nothing more than if he can't get us to follow him fully, to just fill our minds with, with your word and do nothing with it and never allow it to change us. And God, I pray that you would use your word to not just fill our minds, but to transform our hearts and our kids' hearts, our families' hearts. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here, you're watching online, and man, you're a follower of Jesus. You've been following him for a while. Maybe you've been following him for a short while. And and God wants to grow your confidence in him. He wants to grow your faith. 
And one of the things he uses is is practical teaching. Not information transfer, but practical teaching that is true and clear and helpful. And so for you, as you kind of think about your own life, is there something that you could do to better position yourself to be under the teaching of God's Word more often? To help your family do that? Or is it maybe a posture that you've, you've kind of found yourself, yeah, I come to church and I kind of do the deal, but I really don't come with the posture of humility and expecting God to say something to me. But I'd encourage you to, man, really ask God how you can better position yourself to hear from Him. How you can better position your family to hear from Him. Because he wants your confidence in him to grow, just like he wants mine to grow. Maybe you're here, you're watching online, and you're not a follower of Jesus. And and for you, man, God wants your confidence in him to grow to a spot where you will start a relationship with him. And that's kind of the first step. And maybe you're here and you thought, man, I've, I've never really thought about that. Or man, I've thought about it a lot, but I've never taken that step to really follow Jesus. How would I do that, Chris? Well, first, are you willing to just believe and, and, and admit that, man, you're a sinner and that you've disobeyed God and that you've done things your own way? Can you just, between you and God, can you just admit that to him? You willing to admit that? Then then are you willing to believe that when Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he, he did that for you? And then just call. Just call on him. God, I want to start a relationship with you. Come into my life. Transform me. Just tell him. Just in the quietness of this room or wherever you're watching, just just tell God, God, I, I admit I've disobeyed you. I've done things my way. God, I believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave for me. And God, today I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. I'm asking you to come into my life. Transform me. I want a relationship with you. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you made that decision, we would love to know about that. We'd love to connect with you. If you're here in person, you can just reach out in front of you. There's a decision card. You can just fill that out and drop it in the offering basket on the way out. We'll we'll contact you this week. We just want to help you along with your decision. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc and you'll find a card there that you can fill out as well. God, we are so thankful that you went to great lengths to have a relationship with us. Lord, I pray that our confidence in you would grow and that our confidence in you would grow not just in our own lives, but Lord, that we would see our family, our children, their confidence in you grow as well. In Jesus' name, amen.